This week's episode of Control Alt Delete is sponsored by GoToMeeting. Think about the time, money, and hassle it takes to hold a meeting. And the solution? Meet your clients and coworkers online with GoToMeeting, a smarter way to meet. GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are. With GoToMeeting, you can meet from any computer or mobile device without travel expenses or the hassle of traffic. Just turn on your webcam and in HD quality, it's like being in the room. Everyone sees what you're seeing so your team can get on the same page and get going. So try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Just visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. That's GoToMeeting.com. This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is also supported by Wonder Capital. That's Wonder with a U. Wonder Capital is the leading online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in large-scale solar projects across the United States. Wonder Solar Investment Funds allow you to earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Wonder Capital uses sophisticated underwriting and investing algorithms to help you achieve your investment goals. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. Wonder Capital, a Techstars-backed financial technology company, is headquartered in Boulder, Colorado. Thousands of users have already taken advantage of Wonder's platform. So create an account for free at wondercapital.com slash walt, that's again, wonder with a U, and invest in Wonder Capital's solar funds. Do well and do good. Hello, and welcome to Control-Alt-Delete, a recently revived podcast from The Verge. We were off last week, so (laughs) that's pretty good. I'm Neelai Patel. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Walt Mossberg, the executive editor of The Verge and co-founder of Recode. Hey, Walt. How's it going? It's going great, Neelai. I got to say, speaking of Recode, you are at Code Media this week. You're you're on the road. Uh, I'm on the road at Code Media at... uh a uh, lovely resort hotel in Southern California where it's considerably nicer weather than on the East Coast. Yeah. Are you, you're interviewing some people at, at the conference, right? Who are, you, who are you talking to? The main person running this, uh, uh, as opposed to our bigger code conference in May, is uh, Peter Kafka, who we both know, yeah. who's a, you know, the best media reporter on the planet. But uh, the rest of us are all pitching in. I'm interviewing... A very interesting guy uh, that I've known for a long time named Bob Bowman. I don't know if you know Bob, but he runs MLB Advanced Media. Oh yeah, which which is really one of one of these one of the weirdest things in tech. It's this absolutely genius, um, highly successful, way ahead of its time streaming service that was started. I don't know, twenty years ago or fifteen years ago by the probably the least digital bunch of business people in the world, <laughs> the owners of the baseball teams. And they, I'm sure uh, at the time, hardly any of them knew what they were doing in starting this. But they now, not only they do they do baseball, but they do uh, HBO, uh, HBO Now. Mm-hmm. They do uh, the NHL. They do a bunch of, of uh, I think they did March Madness last year. Yeah. Uh, they just do a lot of different stuff, and so, to some extent, uh, and they're going, and they're the, there's a plan to spin them out, or at least the technology piece of it out from uh, M- MLB. So I'm going to be talking to him about, you know, will sports eventually migrate to online, and um, uh, you know, all, all the whole cord cutting thing and what's going on. Yeah, that's really interesting. And the rest of that lineup that Peter's talking to is really good. You got. Shane Smith and Spike Jones from Vice, 
Um, I mean, it's just like this endless. That those are the ones that jump out to me because I always I always pay attention to what Vice is doing. But it's just this endless list of superstars uh, from media. So that coverage will be obviously on Recode um, over the weekend, and Lauren Good is there covering it for The Verge as well. So well, Lauren's going to be on stage too. So oh yeah, that's good. yeah. Look at that. Everyone, it's a party. Look, if you go to Code Media, it's a you know it's an expensive ticket, but they'll let you on stage, and I think that's the important part. Um, <laughs> anyhow, there's we got to talk about two big things. So. Uh, Walt, you reviewed the Nextbit Robin this week, which is a really interesting smartphone, uh, and Dan reviewed it as well. Um, but we, right before the show started, uh, you know, we record on Wednesdays. Big news uh, today is Apple versus the FBI about encryption. And when we did a whole episode about encryption about three, four weeks ago, um, yeah. But Walt and I were both just chattering away, and I was like, we can't not talk about it for a couple minutes here. So. Let's just get into it. So the the story here is that the FBI, um, they, in, you know, in investigating these San Bernardino terror attacks, they found the guy's iPhone 5C, which is actually owned by um, the, the, the state government. You know, he worked for the state government. Um, they got a warrant. You know, they can, they're allowed to search the phone, but they can't actually get into the phone because it has passcode on it. Um, and they went to the court and they got the court to order very specifically, Apple, please bypass the system on the phone that slows down attempted passcodes. So if you if you enter the wrong passcode, it makes you wait before you enter the next passcode. And bypass the system that if you enter 10 wrong passcodes, uh, it'll wipe the whole thing. Which, on the 5C in particular, you know, anything past the 5S has a secure enclave, has a touch ID sensor. It's much harder to do. But anything below the 5C, it seems... Apple. 5S, below the 5S. Below the, yeah, 5C and below, 5S and above, right? Um, anyway, um, Apple can do it. And Apple, today, I think pretty, they haven't gone all out like this, but Tim Cook posted a letter to Apple.com today saying, we're, we're opposing the code's order, we're not going to start breaking our own phones, we need to protect our customer data. This is a stand that they've been making. But, well, you, you have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, law enforcement has a tough problem. I'm, I'm not one of these people who just like writes it off. I think, uh, you know, for many years before I started writing about tech, I covered national security. I understand, and some of that's sympathetic with their problem here. Um, but the much bigger issue is to protect the privacy of, you know. A hundred, uh, how, what? How many people? A hundred billion people are going to have these iOS devices? <laughs> yeah, not a hundred. They've got a but billion I mean, active devices. A billion. I'm yeah. sorry, and and so it's it's just an enormous amount. You know, my your credit card is on there. Your uh, passwords are on. I mean, lots of things are on there. Your private correspondence, uh, and that's all very important to protect. And to for Apple, and Apple has taken the step. Uh, starting, I think, with the 6 or maybe the 5S, to fully encrypt the phone, not just with software but with hardware, and to do so in such a way that if you served a warrant on Apple for, say, yours or my uh, iPhones, even Apple can't get into it. And what the FBI is trying to do now, or was originally trying to do a year, starting a year ago, and they ran a major campaign, which Obama eventually decided not to pursue, uh, was to say, um, give us a backdoor into the encryption so that we can always just go into any phone that we find to be of interest. And Apple said no, because 
it means the bad guys will also be able to get in, and more importantly, China and Russia mm-hmm. <clears throat> and other foreign countries, North, you know, whatever a country can pass a law saying if you want to sell not just Apple products but any American products in your country, you're going to have to give the government a backdoor into any encryption because Google has announced that it's also going to encrypt its phones. Now there's a twist, and the twist is that the FBI is saying, first of all, we only want it on this on this one phone. That's all, just one phone. <laughs> Secondly, it's an older phone. Third, all we want to do is guess the password with a brute force big computer that won't be slowed down and where there's no risk that the data will be erased. So just rewrite iOS to fix it so that we can go in and do this. And you can even hold the code at Apple yeah. and bad guys will never get it. And, and and my Apple says this sets a terrible precedent and they can use any word they want, but it's still a backdoor in. Mm-hmm. And I tend to agree with Apple. Um, yeah. I, I don't, It's there's nothing about dishonoring the lives of the completely innocent people that were killed by these crazy terrorists who have deserved no sympathy uh, or denying uh, help to the FBI or anything else. It's about a much broader issue about whether the U.S. government and other governments that are that are nowhere near as scrupulous as the U.S. government are going to be able to, um, you know, almost at will break in and learn about your data along with data from bad people. And uh, so Apple is taking a stand. And the stand, they're not by the way, committing an act of civil disobedience, what they're doing is appealing the ruling. And this is probably, my guess is it's going to go to the Supreme Court where there will be a 4-4 tie. I mean, you know, (laughs) but but that's what, that's where I think this is headed. And my sympathies are, are with them, not because they're wonderful people and, you know, people at the FBI are not wonderful people. It's them. It's a matter of the principle here. Uh, I think there's one other thing that I want to say before yeah. I want to hear from you, but um, I did cover this stuff for quite a while. And one thing I learned is that no one, including almost everyone in the government, including almost everyone in the Congress, uh, no one knows what the NSA can and can't do. Yeah. And you notice that you're hearing a lot from the FBI, but you're not hearing very much from the NSA. I just somewhere in my brain, I don't buy that the NSA can't figure this out. Yeah, without without breaching Apple's encryption. Well, so that that's the thing that stri- strikes me. You know, you um, when I was in law school, the way that they would teach us about civil rights courts or civil rights cases at the at the Supreme Court was that you had to wait for the right facts before you would try to like force some idealistic victory. And here. You know, so like Roe versus Wade, they like, you know, the ACLU like picked the case. They're like, these mm-hmm. are the facts they're going to sure. win. Um, so that's just one example. But that, that's well, how the same, same with Brown versus Board of Education. I mean, yeah, you got you to you pick your facts. You got to wait for the right one and then you swing on that one. Um, and I think here what strikes me is that the facts are almost entirely lined up against Apple. Um, across a couple of things, right? Because I, I agree. I don't think Apple should break this phone. But it's terrorism, which just, I think it's really hard for Apple to sell to the American public that they should not help the government, you know, investigate 
an instance of terrorism. I think that's that's a very hard one for them to overcome. And I agree. I don't think they should do it, but I, I'm just saying, I, I, literally, there's a Fox News headline today on television. Apple refuses to help FD, FBI open terrorist iPhone. Like, that's a bad headline. That was on Fox? Was, of course Which it was. Which so Fox. reluctant to put any kind of a Yeah, but it's you know, out. You know, the most watched cable network. Shocked. There's scared no, people know, watch I it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's there, right? So that's, a, that's just bad. Second, I think this is much more to your point about the NSA. Because it's a 5C and it's easier to break, you have to believe that the FBI... And there's private companies that say they can break these older phones. You have to believe the the... If the NSA can actually do what you say it can do, the FBI could just go get its own. But they've chosen this case to win this concession because the facts are more in their favor. Mm-hmm. Be- especially, and especially because one, the guy, the, he already did it, right? The crime is already committed, and the guy's dead. And he, you know, from everything we can tell, he's like a lone, lone ranger guy. So. You know, it's just like all the facts are sort of like in the FBI's corner here. It's if they lose, it's maybe they don't. Have, they, you know, they didn't gain that much to learn. And if they win, then when it's the six S and the seven and the eight, and Apple keeps engineering, they can it, so win it's harder and harder. They and harder. can get into this phone. There could be nothing in this phone, but they've still won. They've still because won because they've got this big precedent. Right, but then when Apple engineers the seven and the eight to make it even harder to break into, they've got the precedent. They say, look. You have to build a back door into this thing because we're going to come at you again. Eli, there's a rumor, and I don't know if it's true, but there's a rumor that there's a bill about to be introduced in the Senate uh, and not one of these wacko bills. There have been all kinds of wacko bills. But, I mean, from a serious, serious, uh, powerful senator related to the to intelligence, a bill that would basically say companies like Apple have to do this. This is now going to be the law of the land. And... Uh, it's no coincidence that if I, if that bill does get introduced in the next day or two, it will have been introduced around this this set of facts yep. coming to light and this FBI winning this lower court case. And uh, so you're right, a whole bunch. And, and there's one other thing that I would say about facts without the benefit of law school, which is um, this sounds like what people watch on TV in crime shows. Yeah. This Whereas, you know, going after all the phone numbers, you know, the Snowden thing, going after all the phone, that doesn't sound anything like what they see. That that makes the government the villain. But um, this sounds like, you know, um, Law and Order or CSI or, you know, I don't know, NCIS or one of those things. Yeah, like where, in every possible way. It's, and there's every you, – you can't watch one of those shows even walking by the set. The TV, you know, you can't watch one of those shows without hearing them say, "Okay, you Jones, you go dump the guy's phone." Huh? <laughs> I mean, that's what they do. They yeah. go and dump the guy's phone, and some, and they sometimes mumble about calling the carrier, you know, or something. But uh, get with the go call the carrier and phone the phone company. And, yeah. You know, when I think of the most sophisticated encryption experts in the world, I think of the guys at AT&T and Verizon. Yeah, but that's the point. I mean, yeah. the public <laughs> has seen this. So well, this know, is very smart. There's there's now another layer between when, when, I, when we had our last podcast about this, uh, the facts weren't lined up this way. And yeah. um, it was not that easy for the public to grasp, but they could grasp it. Now it's harder because it's, looks like what they're seeing on the TV crime shows. It's one 
criminal and one phone and one instance and one moment and they went to a judge and the judge ruled with them and it's just the facts aren't lined up. But the danger is still there. And let me tell you something. Even if somehow, if the Supreme Court or the Congress or somebody makes Apple do this and the FBI, everything the FBI says is right, it's it's one modified copy of iOS meant to it's it, it's even written so that it has to because I read this too today it has to supposedly it has to recognize the IMEI or you know one of the, the serial numbers something of this one phone so it can't even be used on another phone and it can be held in Apple's possession all those great things it still doesn't stop China from saying well look we have terrorists yeah Falun Gong you know they're terrorists yeah. they're terrible. We're terrified of them, and they just killed somebody, which they do occasionally. Or I don't know if they do. I should I take that back. I don't know, but yeah. there are people in China that kill other groups, and uh, the Russians will say, "Well, we know we have the Chechens or somebody, you know." And every every yeah. country has something like this, and so they're not going to be as scrupulous, and their courts are not independent, and you know. So this is just opening a giant Pandora's box, and it's going to be tougher for Apple. But yeah. you and I still think Apple is right. And if Steve Dowling, Apple's spokesman, is listening to this podcast, I want him to note that you and I still think Apple is right. <laughs> yeah, after, the, after the last episode. As he's not iTunes, that happy with us. <laughs> I got to say, iTunes is still a piece of junk. Yeah, uh, but this, on this one, <laughs> iTunes is still a piece of junk. But on this one. On this one, they're totally right. Um, you know, it's that point you're making is real. I, I think that, you know, I was joking with Russell Brandom uh, one of our reporter is our cybersecurity reporter who's who's obviously just all over this. And I was like, this is literally every like it's every TV show and every movie because if they do create a backdoor, like that is the plot of every techno thriller in the world that now we gotta now the bad guy's gotta break into Apple to get in the back door. or the good guys need to attack the bad guy and there's a scene they're like, we can get into his phone, but first we have to do the biggest heist of all. and that's yeah. like breaking into Apple like get this back door you know it's right. like that's the that is and literally the code the point. is in a it's it's like in lucite in a yeah exactly on a pedestal of in course a in a totally huge gray room in the spaceship yeah. campus <laughs> yeah, exactly. and there's laser beam things around the, you know yeah the center the of the spaceship that big donut hole there's a room right. all the way down at the bottom right um of course and right? tom I mean, cruise has to get lowered down <laughs> But, but not like that, touch any of the lasers. But that's literally what they're talking about. It's like we're joking, but that is actually the thing the government is proposing. Like, create this thing, this master key, keep it secret, keep it secure. We don't care. We just need to get into this one phone. And if we you just make need it the to, one you know, time, hop to it whenever we call you. Yeah. And it's like, guys, you know, like, you know, you're going to just ask them again. And, you know, just efficiency will demand that they don't rewrite iOS every time you call them. Like, uh, that to me is the this is the moment when Apple, I think ha- the big challenge for Apple is saying we're not just an American company and the needs of the United States. We have to balance them against the needs of our users in China, in Russia, in the Middle East. Like we sell to all these places. And if we open the door to America, we are going to find ourselves under siege from all of our other all the other right. countries that we sell to, and an entire army of bad actors who want to use this for their own nefarious purposes. That's a really hard argument to make, but I think it is absolutely the right one. Yep, it's the right one, and uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to follow. But you know right. what? 
There are other smartphones. There are. There are. That was a good transition. There are. Um, and they're not you... necessarily, I don't actually don't know if this is encrypted, this one we're about to talk about. Well, I hope it is because it sends all your stuff is. to the crowd. So, Walt, this week, I got, and I was just playing with uh, one upstairs, uh, you reviewed the next bit Robin, right. which you think does not look very cool. I think you described it as a phone for Barbie, but I think looks incredible uh, just because it's so different. It's you should go on the site, look at the pictures of the phone. Um, it's like why well, should look white. at the pictures of the phone? I have the phone in my hand. Well, no, not the while we're audience, talking. Audience, the listener, <laughs> but the audience. Yeah, well, <laughs> go look at the website. <laughs> <laughs> now, audience, uh, you're not. I don't want you coming to my house to look at it. So go yeah, look at the go website. to Walt's house. <laughs> no, you know what it is, Eli. <laughs> I've decided what it is that makes me think it's Barbie's phone. It's the color. Mm-hmm. They have two colors. One is called Midnight. It's almost black. Yeah. Uh, and the one that um, they gave the reviewers, including me and Dan Seifert and other people, is uh, kind of a baby blue, Robin's egg yeah. blue. And or it's got something. these cases that are like coral and blue and white. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's so the designer of the phone is, I think, Scott Croyle from HTC. He's a nice guy. He's a very nice. I guy. think he did a yeah, he did I've a great job time. designing HTC's phones for a while, and then he left, and now they look like iPhones. Um, so there you go. Um, but it's a very distinctive phone, and I think just in this marketplace right now, a distinctive phone is actually a difficult thing to achieve. All right, so you like the design better than I do, and I would like yeah. it better if it was a different color. But sure. um, it uh, it's fine. Um, yeah. But the really interesting thing about this phone is. It's one of these uh, slap-your-head moments where you say, why didn't everybody think of this? It's a, a phone that never runs out of space. And you know and I know that uh, there, it's a big pain point for users of phones uh, if they buy, particularly like people that buy the 16-gigabyte iPhone, which you and I have complained about. But there are Android phones like this too because actually Android takes up more space on the phone than iOS. Um, that you know, just the usable space for the for your apps and your pictures and your music and your stuff is uh, and your files is uh, not enough, and you can't afford. You don't want to spend uh, the money it would take to buy a lot more local storage. So you're constantly going through and trying to delete stuff and all that. And what they've done with this is they've tied it into the cloud. So you buy this phone for three ninety nine. You get a 32-gigabyte phone. There's no other choice. Mm-hmm. And with it, you get a 100-gigabyte cloud account. There's no other choice. Although the second one, they may add a premium tier later or something. But right now, so you get 132 gigabytes, of which 100 is in the cloud. And what it does is it watches what you do on the phone in two ways. One is it watches what you use. So it watches the apps that you haven't used in a long time, and it watches the photos. At the moment, it's just photos that you haven't uh, used in a long time, apps and photos. And then it also watches the storage on your phone. And when you get down to about two gigs of storage left, which is about the size of a ma- the maximum size of a app from the Google Play Store, mm-hmm. uh, it's usually a game at that size, uh, it will say, okay, your phone is essentially about to be full. And we don't want you to ever have to worry about that. So we are going to go to our list and look for the thing you use the least, and we're going to and we're going to gray it out. It'll the icon stays in your phone, but it goes gray. We have offloaded it. 
We have archived it. We have deleted it. And you can't use it. But you weren't using it anyway. But right. that makes room for other things. Same with photos. They look at your photos and they say, well, you haven't looked at these photos in seven months. So these 16 photos were going to They'll still be on your phone, but they'll be in your phone as kind of low res, just like thumbnail or, you know, maybe they'll fill the screen, but yeah. they won't really be able to zoom in or anything like that. And the reason they're very confident about deleting these things is two things. Every day or more than once a day, maybe in some cases, they back up your phone to this 100 gigabytes of cloud. So they always have all these apps and all these photos and you can always get them back. You just tap on the app and it'll come back. In fact, mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to watch. It's an animation. It gradually goes from gray back to the full color of the icon of the oh, app. Oh, that's cool. And a little progress bar goes on underneath and it's nice. It's, it comes back. And the, in terms of the photo, it comes back to the full size so you can zoom and whatever you want to do with it. And then, and if, and if, if that process results in your phone, once again, getting to the state where it's going to be running out of space, then it will go to the next least used thing and it will uh, delete, archive that. But it always knows that it's in the cloud. You always know that it's in the cloud. So you're not really losing it. You're just switching it from local to cloud until you need it, if you ever do mm -hmm. need it. I mean, I, I download apps that I just don't ever use again. So yeah. I wouldn't even need them again. I kind of wish my iPhone would just not even back them up, just delete them. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, I, there's a lot of that, you know. Now, uh, so to me, this is really smart because this is a good. This is an Android phone. It has the Google suite of things. Uh, so there's there's some backup going on from Google, and there's some, you know, if you, if you're on Google Photos, it, back, it puts your photos in the cloud. There's Google Play Music, it puts your music in the cloud. It still does all those things, but what this does is it. In addition to that, it just thinks of your whole phone storage holistically as yeah. a joint, merged, fused thing between cloud and local, and it manages it for you, and you don't have to worry about it. So and let I, me ask you, so the big really question works. that I have, because it sounds like a great idea, um, and you liked it, and, and you know, Dan said he liked it, but I, this to me is just so reliant on your connectivity being pretty good everywhere, right? I mean... You've got to have a reasonably fast home internet connection because you're backing up at least for the first time gigs of data, um, and then you you know if you're, or you're on backing the go, up thirty two gigs of data, yeah, it's, I mean, it's and it might lot. be it might be less the first time. You might not have thirty two gigs on there the first time. Yeah, but presumably every time that you use this phone, it's it's making yeah, some but it's decisions. only backing up the changes after that, so it's not you know right, get, but. I, you okay. know what I'm saying? Like it's still it's still pretty reliant on that home internet connection being pretty solid. Did you notice anything? Did, no. No, it was, it was fine. just totally seamless. It was fine. Now I have, a, fast, I have a pretty fast how, home internet connection, but I did restores <clears throat> on cellular. Mm -hmm. And granted, it's a review phone, so I'm not paying for the cellular at the moment. <laughs> but uh, it didn't. It was reasonably fast, and it was fine, uh, both yeah. for photos and apps. A little slower on photos because there's more data in a photo than a typical app, <coughs> and. Um, you know, it worked fine. And on, on photos, by the way, if you're doing it not on Wi-Fi, it says, you know, you, we're warning you that do you really want to do this because it might impact your data plan. But, oh, there we go. But it worked. And yeah. um, 
I mean, it just worked. I, this smart storage thing worked. Now, there are a couple of caveats about it. One is it does not yet archive or offload videos, and videos are the biggest uh, space hogs. Videos of your kids, let's say, or you know the, the ball game you go to or whatever. And um, they're working on that, and they say that's coming shortly, and that will be a, a big deal. Uh, and it may, you know, it, obviously it's getting those back, if you want them back, is going to be a little longer experience, and syncing them is going to be a longer experience. Uh, it doesn't, uh, and then the other thing, and this has made me chuckle, uh, because of course it's true, um, Google's suite of apps, and what are there, Neela? You've seen them on many Android phones, or what, <laughs> uh, 20 or so, something like that? Yeah, well, there's Drive, there's Mail, there's Hangouts, there's Google Plus, there's uh, Google Maps, there's... Gotta have Google Plus. Google itself, the, yeah, you gotta yep. have Google Plus. All those things, none of those can ever be deleted or archived, even if you never use them. Like right. if you don't, use, if you use Spotify and you never use Google Play Music, and and if Google and you're and you're almost out of space, the automatic system on the uh, Nextbit Robin cannot delete Google Play Music because it's a required Google app. Wow! And that's just there. And there's another. Uh, uh, thing about this, which is you can tell it never offload or delete an app. You can pin it. So like if you never want it to say, hey, Facebook, you for some reason you haven't used Facebook in a little while, which would never happen with me, but maybe it would happen with some people. Uh, and it goes to say, okay, that's the one we're going to archive to make space. You can pin it. <clears throat> by just kind of swiping down on a little check mark appears and a little thing says you pin this app uh, and it will never go away. But if you try that on a Google app, you, you get a message that says, oh, you don't have to do this on a Google app because it's required and <laughs> it can't be pinned. It can't Insult be pinned, injury. it can't be taken away. It's just there because it's a Google app. That's so funny. Um, now they do have this phone rigged in such a way that it's not only unlocked for carriers, but if you're really a geek... You can, uh, you know, you can put in different bootloaders and do different things. So maybe you can get rid of the Google Apps. Does that, does that kill all the storage stuff if you put in? I don't think so. It stays thing? under warranty. I mean, I haven't really looked into it, but uh, I don't think yeah. so. And I, frankly, I don't think the vast majority of users are going right. to want to So let me ask you, though, well, because I will say the hardware is beautiful. So if you're like a Cyanogen person and you're interested in this hardware. It kind of makes sense. It's interesting. That's a compelling All right. sort of thing. But let me ask you the hard question. This is a startup, brand new company. They got some ex-Google people. They got some ex-HTC people. They clearly know how to make a phone. No question there. They've built sort of an innovative new thing. Isn't this more of like a, a feature than like a whole product? Like aren't they – they, if I was to be cynical, I would say they built this so they can sell it back to Google. And yeah, Google's I mean I – <clears throat> I don't think they're doing that, but it could yeah. it could be. They claimed to me when I raised this with them that they intended to stay in business and they were tended yeah. to make other devices. Um, using your point of view, uh, which I'm, I'm playing the cynic, and even when I was editing really? Walt, I, I the tell. note I was like just to play the complete hater here. Yeah, um, I know, but that's the it, 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 I'm appealing to the audience. <laughs> Would you like an editor who's a hater? What can I tell you? Uh, the uh, 
the uh, the phone is a de- design departure, as you have pointed yeah. out. So it's you know I I'm focused on the storage feature because I think it's really important. Uh, I don't know if they have it patented or if you can even patent it, but um, it's more than that. They've got a they've got a uh, you know a very different looking design here, and um, I you know I don't get the impression that they did this to sell it to Google. But on the other hand, I don't imagine that if Google offered them or Company X offered them a lot of money, they wouldn't take it. So I just don't know. The real interesting question is whether this uh, self automatic, almost sentient. Uh, uh, storage, uh, smart storage idea can be copied by other people because that would yeah. really hurt their sales. Even though you would buy it just based on looks. Yeah, um, I mean it is it is absolutely a beautiful phone. It, it, yeah, but it's also like a mid range phone. Like, am I going to spend four hundred dollars on a mid range phone? Like, that's tough. You know, like, I don't know. I I will say, and I don't. I, I do like the the uh, uh, Scott, the designer, who's the guy I met with. Uh, to get briefed about this, uh, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but I got to tell you, I got to this hotel on the shores of the Pacific on Monday, and I was still testing the phone. And I took the phone out to the balcony, and I took a picture of the ocean, which had a big splash of sunlight on on the water at that moment. It was three in the afternoon, and when I looked at the picture, it looked like it was night. Yeah. It might have been a fluke. And I went in back in the room and I grabbed an, uh, the iPhone I had with me and I went and took the same picture and it looked fine. So, um, you know, they have some work to do on the camera. The phone overall is a little bit slow. It had I, I, I literally, I'm not making this up, had to do eight tries to get logged in to the hotel Wi-Fi here yeah. on this phone. I don't know why. I just did. So they've got some work to do on it. But um, I mean, know. it's commendable to it, and kind of ballsy to try to make an a independent smartphone company in this day and age. I mean, just if you look at the wreckage of Sony and LG and Motorola and every other company that is trying to figure out how but to But they make didn't the have anything like the smart storage. They didn't have an yeah. idea that right. nobody else had in their phones. Uh, that was not trivial. They had some trivial ideas, but they didn't have a big idea. This is a big idea. Yeah. And I think uh, it's easier now for a small company to get into the business of doing this and selling it directly off the web, which is, by the way, this is three ninety nine directly off the web uh, at 10 a.m. on Thursday, uh, which is about when you'll be hearing this, I think. And... Um, they're not selling it through carriers. It's unlocked. Right now it only works on uh, AT&T and T-Mobile because it's GSM. But in April they'll have a model that will work on Verizon and Sprint. And yeah. uh, it will be CDMA. And so uh, you can do that now because the subsidy thing is fading in the United States. And it's possible for a startup company to maybe make it. We'll watch this carefully. We'll see if it makes yeah. it. I mean, and then, then the last question – Updates, right? I mean, they're running Android, they're running Marshmallow today, but you know, the next thing is coming out presumably in June because that's when Google puts out new Androids. Are they going to be able to update on the same pace? Uh, yeah. By the way, the by the way, I'm voting for the next one to be called Nougat, 
Ooh. Oh, in honor of Lauren's cat. In honor of Lauren's cat. Perfect. Yeah, it's a candy. Perfect. Begins with an. Um, but they have. They told me that they are committing to supporting on this phone. Never mind any new ones they bring out on this phone. They're committed to supporting the next two major releases of Android. That's what okay. they say. I mean, you know. I mean, Samsung not. literally just started rolling out Marshmallow to the. I know. Again. It was unbelievable. It was like crazy. It's unbelievable. It continues, for better or worse, to be the story of Android in the background. Is Which is why Google needs to make their own phones. I got to say, Google really needs to make their own phones. I also got to say, um, the number of people who have reached out to me after I wrote the Chromebook thing to tell me that they've been buying Chromebooks for people is uh, kind of incredible. Like, you see, it's the seeds of the platform, right? You see what the desktop platform could look like if they just started adding more pieces of Android to Chrome OS, mm-hmm. and you see what the mobile pl- how the mobile platform could if they add sort of the more powerful capability of the, the right. Chrome browser. But the most it's... important reason is that I told them and, <laughs> and, and, and predicted this. So, so this saith Walton, so shall it, it be. It has to come true. You know, um, what can I, say? I love it. Twitter's right, well, well, too hard to use. Apple <laughs> needs to get on the ball with their apps. Google needs to make hardware. This, this is my new job. I gotta at say, the you know, Walt, when Walt was starting to call him, he's like, you know, I gotta get back into it. I gotta, you gotta figure. And now it's you're just gonna command every tech company and, and how to do. It. It's perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. A perfect role. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna let you get back to the conference and uh, the incredible array of speakers there, and also the beautiful Pacific Ocean, apparently. Apparently. Um, but thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, as always, I'm now going to uh, recite a list of other things you should listen to, which I know that you enjoy as much as I enjoy doing it. So listen to the Vergecast tomorrow. Uh, we do that at 4.30. Speaking of Recode, uh, Kara Swisher and Peter Kafka have a great podcast that coordinates perfectly with these conferences called Recode Decode, where they interview uh, stars of tech and media. Uh, Lauren Good, who we've been talking about several times in this uh, episode, has a great podcast with Kara called Tomb Bears to Ask. Uh, Liz and Emily from The Verge have a great podcast uh, called Verge ESP, Verge Entertainment and Science Podcast. And Chris Plant has What's Tech. So literally, you never stop listening to The Verge or Recode content, please. Just always be listening to something. We appreciate it. All that is at uh, the Verge or iTunes.com slash The Verge. And then... I think this is the most important part. Walt and I love hearing from you. We love your feedback on the show. It's so much we fun. We do. Um, it's on Twitter, which if you can figure out how to use, it's a tough order. Uh, you can get to Walt at, at Walt Mossberg. You can get to me at, at Reckless. Um, and that's about it. Thank you so much, Walt. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you again next week. See you next week. See you next week.